you know, this is probably one of the most important questions so far today. So remember earlier I said, when you're doing your initial feasibility back of the envelope, you know, due diligence, the first thing you wanna look at is what's the appetite of the municipality? What's the sentiment of the community? Are they gonna be on board with my project? So you need to make sure that the community is gonna be on board with what you're doing and you wanna, so we're, we serve, right? We're, we're solving problems, we're creating opportunities, we're serving others. That's what developers do. We're serving mm -hmm. a need, which ultimately is a need of people. So everything boils down to people. It's all about relationships. So you need to understand you know, what that looks like. And then, you know, what is your, what are your options, you know, based on that? So if they're for it, great. If they're not, do you want to, you know, do you want to go down that road and pick that fight? Uh, because, you know, if you have community opposition or, you know, municipal opposition to your projects, it's gonna be an uphill battle and there's land use attorneys and all that. So that's number one. Number two is you never go by what somebody says. Uh, you always get what they're referring to. So if the engineer says that, um, okay, well, that's your opinion, that's great, but where's the zoning code that shows that we can get this approved? Where are you seeing this in the code? Same thing with your county official. If he says, you know, they're not gonna approve this, well, what does the code say? Because all they can do is go by what the code says, right? You have a zoning code. So the question is, what does that code say? And you're gonna get opinions from people in planning because their job is to plan a community in their vision. Now there's gonna be a master you know, development plan or, you know, comprehensive plan or whatever that some of these, you know, municipalities have created and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on to say, we want this community to look like this. And, you know, they're gonna have different planning districts and different, you know, things, but you'll get individuals in a planning department that are very opinionated and they're gonna tell you what they think or what they want or what they see, but that doesn't mean that's what's actually reality. Doesn't mean what's what the code says, doesn't mean it's what the other board members say, they might just be trying to discourage you because they don't want it. And they may not even understand what you mean by RV park. They might be thinking mobile home park, you know? Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta really always ask deeper questions, always qualify, always research the information yourself. If somebody tells you, you can't do something, will you send me the, you know, the code that says I can't or a reference to the code that explains this so I can research it. So always do your own due diligence, always research the code and always understand what your options are and then understand the fight. So if there's gonna be opposition to your project, First off, why is that? Sometimes people are just afraid of what they don't understand and some people just don't like change. So sometimes it's, it takes a while to get people's like RV park. They might be seeing mobile home park. So you gotta make sure they understand what you're talking mm -hmm. about. Oh man, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be lakes and you know, resort and people are gonna come here and it's gonna generate you know, revenues for the economy. It's gonna look beautiful. We're gonna have a little store. So you know, sometimes you gotta paint a vision of what it is you mean. Uh, and then if people are just flat out opposed to it, then you gotta decide, okay, do I wanna go down this path and what's that gonna take? You know, because it's going to be, it's going to be hearings, this, that, and the other. And, you know, as developers, we have to have thick skin, right? We're the evil developers. All we care about is money and all that, right? So you're going to have a target on your back anyways. And then you have land use attorneys that you can just send in to do the work for you. So, um, you don't yeah. have to worry about that when it comes to rezoning and getting approvals. But always do your own homework. Always research the code yourself. When somebody tells you what you can or can't do so that you've got evidence, you see it in writing, and always question, always never assume anything, always question everything and dig deeper, ask, ask deeper questions. The other board members are gonna be opposed to that. You'll never get that approved. Why is that? Well, you know, Sally over here, da, 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 da. Tell me more about that. Well, her brother, Hank, and da, 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 da. Well, why did yeah. that happen? So always go deeper, always ask, and then you can find true motivation what's behind it. And that's how you solve problems. 
That works in negotiations, by the way, too. Yeah, I mean, that's what builders and developers do. You know, we serve the market. So as the market changes and evolves, it used to be the McMansion, you know, prior to 2008 and yeah. And then everybody downscaled after 2008 and the house sizes shrank. And, you know, then they started trending upward as interest rates went down. And we had the pandemic and everybody was going for bigger places, you know, because they needed home office space. They needed homeschooling space. So trends always shift. And, you know, one of the biggest mistakes developers will make is they'll do what they think they, you know, the market wants, or they'll do what they want instead of what yeah. is the market asking for, right? So you always want to go fill that demand in the market, you know, until you're at a point where it doesn't matter. You just want to do this project, this passion project. You don't care what the market wants. You just want to build this thing. You know, mm -hmm. you've got the resources. You don't have to rely on a sale and you're just, you're just doing something you want to do. You know, if you're an artist, you just want to put your art out there, you know, that's fine. But if you're, if you want to make a living and you need to make a living, you got to give the market what it's already asking for, right? So if you've got, you know, you're at a baseball stadium, everybody wants hot dogs, you don't come in with a chicken sandwich. You know, yeah. everybody wants hot dogs. All you got to do is monitor what are the big builders doing? Because they know they're spending lots of money doing the studies. They got people coming in every day. So one is, as a developer, I always talk to top realtors on a regular basis, commercial and residential. So I know mm -hmm. what the demand is, what buyers are looking for, what the market's looking for. You know, I always watch what the big builders are doing because they're, they're in front of it. Uh, you know, in those markets, you know, what the trends are, what the fixtures are, furnishings, things like that. Hows, you know, that there's, you know, trends on hows, you know, in terms of finishers, furnishings and fixtures and color palettes. And, you know, the gray, you know, gray is the new whatever, you know what I mean? Who would have thought gray yeah. would have been the color? So, you know, that's yeah. where you stay ahead of the trends and, and these types of things is by talking to other people, you know, doing the research and demographics, you know, that's Bureau of Labor Statistics. And, you know, yeah, the millennials are the big group that's moving up, the biggest demographic right now that are becoming home buyers, right? You know, you, you, you live in an apartment, you date, you have kids, you buy a home, you know, then you retire and you downsize. So right now that's the biggest segment moving up. We do have baby boomers and, you know, the older generation that ultimately will exit this world, but not enough of them fast enough to really affect the housing market. You know, you, you could lose them all right now and you would probably still be able to absorb that market. Yeah, it's a big demand in a lot of markets. So, you know, again, you got to know your market. But yeah, South Florida is an area where it's becoming more popular. And, you know, there's been there's more big communities being done, built for rent. So there is a demand for that. Some people would rather rent than own. Um, you know, multifamily is just more efficient. You know, you can get more units under one roof on less property, whereas single family is horizontal apartments. So it's all spread out. So it's less efficient. You know, that's that's why that hasn't been a thing in the past. Uh, at scale like it is now, and there's more and more uh, institutional capital coming into that space. So you're going to see more and more of that happening because uh, it, is, it is need. I mean, there's a lot of people that would love a house that can't buy one. Bad credit, no down payment, whatever. So it's serving a need, you know, a big need out there, uh, you know, for a lot of different people. And again, there's people that just don't want to own, you know, for whatever reason. So, you know, that could be a great model. It could be a great space, but it's just not as efficient, um, you know, in every market. If you're renting, a senior citizen is going to exit wherever they're coming from. They're going to sell their house and then they're going to rent, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, you could do an age-restricted community where it's just rentals, you know. So you have the villages in Florida, but people buy there. But sure, I mean, you could do an age-restricted community or a senior living, you know, community that's just houses. There are already several of them out there where it's kind of a mixed use where they might have a building that, you know, has the, you know, memory care and more, you know, of those types of, uh, you know, facilities, and then they have cottages as well. 
So, you, you know, there's a lot of, you know, senior living communities are already like that. They kind of have a mixture. Then there's people that are doing, you know, co-living houses where that's they're, they'll buy a house and they'll put, you know, seniors in each of the rooms and the seniors kind of share, you know, the space there. So senior level, senior living houses that are just, you know, multiple bedrooms under one roof. So there's a lot of different ways in the senior living niche, you know, to do that. And there's huge demand for it. Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, that's a huge niche. You just got to make sure that, you know, you're in an area where that there is a population, you know, of seniors and that's where they want to be. Yeah, so, you know, I'm not sure about natural resources in and of themselves. I mean, the ultimate hedge against inflation is real estate. You know, that, that's been the primary store of wealth over, over time in history. Gold was. Gold's kind of peaking. You know, I'm not sure I, I buy into this $4,000 gold narrative. But traditionally, gold has been a good store of value. There is no hedge against inflation. You just can't hedge inflation. But what you want to talk about is store of value, you know, in assets that can beat out inflation, you know, Hedging is different than storing value. So for me, it's always been real estate, maybe precious metals, silver, copper, things like that. But it's like anything else. I mean, if you're buying at the peak of the market, you know, markets are cyclical, right? Demand cycles. So you just got to make sure you're getting it at the right time. But to say to buy at any given point in time, you know, isn't always the best strategy. You got to make sure you're buying in the cycles.